Welcome, welcome, welcome. You thought I wasn't going to do my three welcomes, but I always do my three welcomes. Fear not, true believer. Um, yeah, we've got Rob the Bank this week, who's, who's one of my favourite people. And this was not only one of my favourite podcasts, but one of my favourite conversations I've had in ages. It was so lovely to catch up with Robbie. Um, I need to do the sponsors first, though. We're sponsored by Speech Development Records. That's my record label. Come and check us out. Go to scroobiuspip.co.uk and you can look at the web store there. Or you can go and play the Bash the Beard game where you just play about with a game about making my beard grow. So there's that. Um, You can also head to Speech Development Records.com to go straight to the web store. Genuinely makes a difference, man. If you can buy some stuff, buy a mug, a t-shirt, anything that 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 t- t- tickles your fancy um i've stolen this f- from the a jr podcast um the ross report but it's free to look it's free to look just head there have a look you don't even have to close this podcast it will keep playing it's free to look so check that out and if you fancy buying i think that'd be lovely our other sponsor is onit.com they are a human optimizational website i've mentioned them a lot but it's because i genuinely use them all the all the sponsors of this podcast are people i use um they sell a lot of fitness stuff um whether it be weights or like these battle mace things like uh, a lot of crossfit um stuff um but also supplements um, both fitness and mental kind of, of fitness. I use one called Alpha Brain to just keep sharp. It kind of helps your um, your long term and short term memory, your general perception and sharpness. I like it. Check them out. And you know what? Just because you're listening to this podcast, you can get ten percent off if you go to onit.com slash pip. That's o n n i t dot com slash pip, um, which is s c r o s-c-r-o-o-b-i-u-s a lot of people think it's i-o-u-s it's not it's i-u-s then p-i-p check us out but let's get on to the podcast this is the lovely 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 mr rob the bank i'll be back at the end see you in a bit my nice uh, little mobile setup yeah um i'm joined right now by mr rob the bank how you doing sir afternoon thank you very much for uh for giving me a bit of your time um well, we're at best of all headquarters you've invited me into the i had to, to come in the back cave um and everything and it's go a bit the stark wardrobe. in here actually isn't it it's like a sort of a stark white blocky building overlooking a block of flats it's not really maybe what you'd expect from best of all hq it's what's i that's what I found particularly beautiful about it because it's it's you know it's from such darkness that sh- <laughs> such darkness should surely influence and inspire the the beauty of best yeah. of all and all of the that beauty of a greenfield site full of wonderful happenings and here we are in South London like surrounded by council blocks dreaming of it you've got to keep hungry throughout the year you know? yeah. not <laughs> there's anything wrong with council blocks no they're good um I've said this a few times on the podcast and this one is as relevant as ever the podcast has kind of become an excuse for me to have a reason to sit down and talk to people that I adore and and don't get enough time to catch up with and hang out with. So this is just an excuse for us to hang out. There just happens to be microphones here. So, yeah, how are you? Is everything going well? It's good, yeah. I've just just been on a bit of a self-enforced sabbatical um, nine weeks out 
out of the uh, rat race with the kids. So been teasing um, us all on Instagram and teasing for, you with photos for months. Of me and temples and with monkeys and it looked amazing though. Yeah, it was it was a it was a life changing. You know, I, I think I've I've spent you know twenty years like working really hard on a lot of things and yeah. I'm not very good at cutting myself any slack. So I thought for once, okay. It was just after I'd left Radio 1 and I thought, right, okay, this could be a good time to... Well, it's the only time I've had in the last 12 years where I don't have to be doing something every week. So it was... um it was it's, a luxury. It's such a weird thing when you've got... On, and, and it's hard to comprehend if you've not, but when you've got a job that is in entertainment in any way, it's hard for people to get their head around how... Because, you know, you've probably not have, had a proper break or holiday in years, but people will think of it, oh, you do best of all, you go to all these, all these, these nice festivals or you DJ at all these nice places, but it is all work and it is all harder work that part of the art is making it look easy if you know what I mean so, uh, yeah I, I mean I would never complain about it or say it was harder course. work than you know working in a biscuit factory or being a lollipop lady yeah. or you know driving a taxi or, or anything but it's it, the thing about it is, is it's all consuming so yeah. you know I wake up and I'm instantly like kind of working in my head like how are we going to sell more tickets today mm. who am I going to book for this so and that's all you know that's all my own fault for having this amazing job but and I, and I love it but um Sometimes, yeah, you're just like, oh, I could actually do with... I, I sort of sometimes look at people with a nine-to-five and people with a nine-to-five are probably going to look at the, um, the radio now and just go How F off to bank. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, I sort of... I've never probably ever had that sort of thing where I can just switch off on a Friday afternoon yeah. and have the weekend sort of off. At Completely. the same time, I don't want a nine-to-five, so, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of the things I've realised only in the last few years that... And it's probably different with somewhere as 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 vastly different as India and so far from everything, or you know. But it's hard. It's harder to enjoy or have a holiday if you've not got a boss to have a holiday from. If, if you're the boss, then you know. If you've got a weekend off, you're still thinking about best of all. You're still th- you've not got that kind of. Oh, I can't, I'm. I don't have to deal with him till Monday. It's like, you're you, you are your boss kind of thing. So it's kind of, it's a weird yeah, one. It's hard to switch off, that. right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I am getting to um, to learn and we've got, you know, got a brilliant team here. So there's, there's yeah. you know, it's best of all, it's not like me and Josie and John and Ziggy run everything. It's like there's a big team of people running it and um, it's all about, um, what's the word when you... Um, delegation. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. you know, delegating and kind of, um, there's so many people that are, you know, gagging to do what what we're doing on Bestival, so it's just a case of letting them letting them get on with it. Yeah, it's it's got to be a hard thing to let go of the reins. But the first time you do that and you see amazing results, you got to go, why didn't I do this ages ago? <laughs> why have I been doing so much work for myself when there's <laughs> yeah, these amazing yeah. people who can help out and totally and pull it off? But at the same time, I am I am a complete control freak, so yeah. I do find it very difficult to. Um, Particularly on the lineups, you know, I, I sort of, yeah. I get very tetchy if anyone sort of, uh, sort of tries to get involved in that. Pip, I really That's do. People without <laughs> your permission. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of starting to get a bit. I've got someone working with me now. This lovely girl Ellie, and she's sort of helped me book the DJs. So yeah. you know, that's the first step of me actually yeah, that's going. Great. You know, right. And I mean, I've got it down to what three emails a year now of people I'm recommending and asking you to book and get into play. So that's you know, that's a good step in the right no, direction. I, I, no, I welcome, I welcome that kind of you know <laughs> input from uh, mates and um, you know artists and people. Yeah. Like that is is good. Um, 
and it, to be honest, even in house, you know, it's it's nice to have lots of ideas. The trouble it's is, it's important to keep it all all, all fresh. I like that. I mean, I feel even from just booking the spoken word for four or five years now at Bestival and Camp Bestival, it's, it's, this year I've kind of gone right. I'm putting a lot of, although they all go down well, I'm putting a lot of the same people on each year. I need to adjust that and get out of my comfort zone a bit. So again, it's that kind of thing I'm having this year. And that's a tiny part of the festival. That's not the massive bulk of it that you're having to yeah. deal with. So it's important, I guess, to to get people to say, because there's, there's been a few spoken word artists I've booked and said, uh, who do you rate? You know, Now, who do you think is good? To kind of try and get that so it's not just... Pipping his mates yeah, yeah, here yeah. again every yeah, year, yeah. Just, just just doing thing, which is good in its own right. But yeah, important to to breathe that life into it. That's, I mean, that's the, that's exactly it. And a lot of people do want Pip and his mates. You know, they do. Yeah. They want Kate Tempest and they yeah. want Polar Bear and they want all the you know all the guys that, and girls that you book. So in a way, you're sort of like, oh god, if I book that person, then I can't book Kate yeah. or I can't do yeah, this. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's getting the balance, isn't it? It's, get, it's getting the balance, and it, you know, every year I think I talk to you about it. Best of all, I you know, I want best of all to be braver and more kind of out there and encompass more kinds of music. It's already yeah. quite broad, but you know, I want more heavy metal. I want more thrash. I want more sort of. Um, Latin, I don't know. I want more like Brazilian stuff. I, I, I don't book anywhere near enough world music, and yeah. and but then suddenly I find myself in now, you know, February, March, and it's like the budget's gone, and yet again I haven't booked, you know, that artist, that artist, yeah, and yeah, I've, of course, because it just gets soaked up, and it's so frustrating. I wish I, I really wish I had an unlimited pot of money to book it, and yeah. best of all went on all year, and then I'd probably be amazing. Uh, 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 who was it last year? Was it? Pitch shifter or sensor, I always get those those two acts confused. But it was an act on the main stage, kind of early on one day, that were quite metally and quite quite heavy. And I walked past it, and it was it, on paper. It seems like the craziest time and place for this act, but it was so perfect. Just the whole crowd was losing. Yeah, yeah. Us yeah going no, crazy I mean that's, that's the sort of Saturday lunchtime uh, circle pit. Um, yeah mosh time which um gallows kicked off two years ago yeah and i just thought right you know I'd, heavy metal you know whatever um rock hard rock is not my thing but actually you know i there's a lot of people that come to best all that possibly it is on yeah. on the side or or just one of their main passions and so it's yeah it's become a bit of a sort of saturday lunchtime in the sun let's go down and, and sort of see something different and yeah no, last year it was Skindred. Skindred, it was Skindred. Skindred You're completely last year. right. And it, yeah, oh, my the, bad, the, yeah. the lead singer, or what, you know, he, he's just such an amazing. Uh, and I'm sure he's, he's used amazing. to just doing, you know, preaching to the converted. And I also like the fact that for him, it was probably like, well, this crowd, man, there's, you know, there's about ten thousand yeah. people there at that time. You know, I need to do some work on this. But he had them. It worked the crowd perfectly. He did <laughs> yeah. a really simple thing that was just perfect for. Because again, at that time of day, you, you're not going to have everyone there and you're not going to have everyone drunk and in a mess kind of thing so he did a simple thing on one song where he got people to just spin their shirts or whatever they've got above their head mm. and it went through the whole crowd and looked absolutely amazing it yeah, was like yeah, yeah. that was yeah perfect a use of that time slot and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and nailing it um, I do want to go back to the start and go for everything but, but while we're on best of all kind of talk us through how that's been like how it started to to where it is now and um, obviously it's always been b- beautiful for me seeing uh, you and Josie and the kind of the 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 beautiful 
art project of a festival it kind of is so you know grow and grow into this huge huge entity and now i mean you've just announced a best of all canada yeah so yeah. you know it's a global thing i've asked a lot of questions there to deal with so. no no but i'm glad you called it an art project because actually in the last couple of years that's sort of how i've started referring yeah. to it because i've realized that that's kind of what it is and most of my mates and you know Josie and most of my mates are artists they're either filmmakers yeah. or, or painters or or you know um, visual artists or something and I think um, I was always frustrated at school that I, I was rubbish at art yeah. and, um, yeah. and and not that great at music either well, I was actually rubbish at everything <laughs> so um, but it's all sort of happened accidentally but I've always loved you know that, that creative thing and I think at the end of the day that's what it is is putting on a big party and that's kind of an art yeah. arty thing um, it's, yeah, it's like a huge art installation. So there are always them complete art elements. I'm always, I always—I remember walking in t- two years ago and seeing the ship, and just being like, "Wow, they've <laughs> just built a massive ship in the middle of a field, like a full-size." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, it's, it's absolutely Crew, yeah, amazing. Cruise ship, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, ninety percent of people that saw that ship that first year and even last year still think that we've craned in a, a wreck of a ship from yeah. someone and don't realise that if you stand around the back that it's just like scaffolding and yeah. amazing paintwork and really legendary sort of set yeah. building. It's absolutely um, insane. But but yeah, that you know, that's a good example of, you know, and, and the giant disco ball last year. And yeah, that was an amazing moment as well. <laughs> when that was finally raised. But, but then previously, a giant a Lionel a Richie head. Yeah. Just stuff like that. It's kind of... <laughs> Sleeping How does that all come about? <laughs> is, it, is it all just, are you and your friends and Joseph and everyone just coming up with these things and going, what insane things can we do this year? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, when we started Bestival 12 years ago, then there weren't that years. many festivals going. And there was, you know, it was Glastonbury and Reading and um, it was like the Phoenix Festival and a yep. few others that aren't going. But, but and, you know, there was the Big Chill, Secret Garden was just starting out as well. But it was, there was, there was no, there wasn't that much competition, but we were new newbies and we needed to make a splash so we were like okay what can we do differently so you know we had the hidden disco we had the, the old f- fancy dress dressing up thing yeah. we had the world's smallest disco and you know we we, we just thought we, we need things to make us stand out and I think that's just carried on because the competition's got fiercer and it's fun and you know so it's like people want to see something different you know and yeah. the disco ball is probably the pinnacle of our achievements in that because yeah. it just totally nailed it everyone talked about it all summer and then it, it sort of actually had this massive culmination at the festival and it, it's going to be really hard to beat because the yeah. amount of sort of press and goodwill and sort of feel good factor that created was just you know not non-stop I was, for I was, us so. I was thinking exactly that because one of the best things and best of all and camp best of all are two obviously when I'm gigging in festival season there's a lot of festivals and they're the two that I generally stay all all weekend and the best of all and camp festival closing fireworks have always been an amazing thing and one of the things you look to are they going to be as exciting next year after this this year's raising of the disco ball it's kind of how do you with Nile Rogers introducing the the big lift of the disco ball well I think we (laughs) yeah I mean I think um we sort of struggled to think, okay, well, how are we going to better that? But then, actually, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't need to. I think it was a moment in time. I mean, five years yeah, ago, completely. I was climbing up a, a huge pile of um, petrol-soaked wood, um, dressed as a spaceman, um, 
and then pretending to fly off to space and the whole thing being torched and <laughs> me playing out on John's Rocket Man off the top. So, um, you know, that, that was an amazing installation, yeah, you know, the big bur- burn that year. And so the disco ball will go, you know, for us, will go down in history, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah. our own little best all history. And it was a great, great moment. But I, if we tried to better it every year on the Sunday night, it would just fall flat. Yeah, but we've, we've got some cool, really cool stuff. Like next week we're announcing a, a, a festival within a festival. So... Which, uh, I, I, this is, is going to be going out in about three or four weeks, so that will already have been announced. So, f- so feel free to go into it if you don't want to. You know, it's obviously I'm pr- I promise it's not going to go out and, r- and ruin any announcements. Okay, cool. Yeah, as long as you don't leak it, then <laughs> no, I promise. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, we've got this whole new area called Slow Motion, so it's which is basically its own festival within Bestival. So oh, wow. the whole of the sort of Tomorrow's World area, if people come to Bestival, you'll know where I'm talking, where the bandstand yep. is, and where possibly it's all a bit slower. Yeah, and so. Yeah. That whole area and the woodland and everything is becoming its own look and feel. It's like yoga, meditation, mindfulness, um, you know, good eating, um, uh, like mad sort of wild runs. We're going to have people taking people off for surfing lessons and kite kite surfing off off site and bringing them back and stuff. So creating this whole other world within Bestival for people that maybe, you know, either it's got a bit too lively for them or yeah. they just, you know, they want to go and see the Chemical Brothers on Saturday night, but then the Sunday they just want to have a totally different to experience. recover from the Chemical Brothers um, on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we're really excited about that. So That's I, amazing. I, I mean, things like that are sort of pushing us, you know, in a way that like the disco ball would have done and it might not be yeah. as visually easy to grasp. It's not, it's not as fun, but it's... Um, I think it's going to reset where we're at with Bestival because me and Josie both noticed last year, although the crowd, you know, is young, uh, you know, predominantly still a young crowd, which yeah. I love because yeah. otherwise we'll all grow old and die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, um, then I think they look after themselves. I think it sounds a bit old fogish, but I, this, uh, but I really believe this, that younger people generally are looking after themselves better I don't know if you when, yeah. I, when I when I was growing up either my mates were sort of fat or spotty or yeah. or sort of weaklings like me yeah. you know we were all sort of a type and now you look at kids going around festivals you know whether they've got their tops off or not and it's like everyone looks like they look after themselves yeah. and, and I think it's a, 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 a massive thing now with and again I think camp festival was the first one I noticed it to really go in on the on the food side of things and make a feature of the fact that you've got really good people in to do the food to have a really varied cuisine but still I don't think any festival has nailed a really genuinely healthy and yeah that whole whether it be dietary or spiritually or anything mm-hmm. else that definitely sounds like a good yeah a yeah good, I mean there, there are obviously down. festivals which are entirely kind of that but that's a different yeah. sort of experience it's not so much a, a, a sort of contemporary yeah. music festival so I think um, you know and people obviously they have their healing areas or they have this bits of this and that but we're actually you know creating a haven so that you know whether you want to spend the whole weekend in there or whether you just want to come in for a few hours or 10 minutes yeah. it will be it will feel like a whole different kettle of fish and I think um, whether you're a 25 year old who you know is, is, you know, has come down for a massive rave up all weekend or whether you're 50 or 60 and you know I want those people to keep coming back to festival. I, d- I don't want it to be ageist I want everyone to be able to come there and whatever yeah whatever you're into I hope yeah. this will be an exciting new venture yeah provided that's great was it a, was it a conscious thing to because I, I kind of feel that festival Glastonbury and maybe 
a secret garden party a bit feel like the only festivals to me that people as as much as the amazing and varied and strong lineups each year there's a huge amount of people who go just because it's festival and just because of that whole experience i always remember um our sound man james one year came along when we were playing and other than our set he didn't actually come on and see any bands but he had a lovely weekend of camping and engaging and doing all nice uh, lovely things and yeah he was like yeah i just I love best of all. I wasn't in the mood for watching any bands. I love it as an experience, the vibe. Everyone, He's just your number this. one fan, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he only wanted to watch you, and then anything yeah. else would have been a disappointment. If anyone else had paid him to watch him, he would have watched yeah, yeah. them as well. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he wouldn't have watched us unless we were paying him. But yeah, it, it was that a conscious thing to try and go right? I, I guess there weren't as many festivals then, but there are a lot of festivals now, and I think a lot of them are very dependent on who is available that in their price range and who they can get and that kind of thing. Whereas as festivals seem to be one of the ones that strived out to say, look, regardless of who we've got, it's going to be one of the best weekends of of, of, of your year. And, you know, mm. you always know that the vibe is right. I've spoken before of when uh, a B. Dolan came over and played and he did a blog afterwards because he was like I've played tons of festivals in America but I've never been anywhere that just just walking around everyone seemed so happy and nice (laughs) and friendly and there didn't seem to be any aggro or any anger or threat or it just seemed like the the safest nicest friendliest place so was that the kind of plan from the outset even more so than I really want to book some amazing bands it, it, it wasn't, to be honest, like being totally truthful, yeah, and and I, and I and I and I and I totally get what you're saying, and I think, I think, yeah, us, Seagrad and Glasto, we're all we're, we all we all do get that sort of feel good factor yeah. of people wanting to come, whatever. But equally, you remember like about five six years ago when Glastonbury didn't sell out, and it was like a massive yeah. shock. Yeah, of course. So yeah, um, you know, and and personally, I think we could sell. I reckon we could sell half our tickets without announcing the lineup. Yeah. But we definitely couldn't sell the other half yeah. without announcing some big big acts. Yeah. And I yeah, think um whether we've shot ourselves in the foot or whether we've just set it up like this, you know, we you know, we've had Elton, we've had Craftwork, we've had Amy Winehouse, we've had the Beastie Boys, you know, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had Stevie Wonder, um, you know, Chic. It's it's like people do want those acts. So yeah, I think um I think that yeah there's definitely a sort of aspect that people will come whatever and I think there's a you know that great sort of not gang mentality but you know it's like oh yeah we're all going down and you know people go in again I think the fancy dress influences that and everything all stuff that seems to have been almost stumbled upon that's become an identity that it's like yeah we're all going to go oh what costume like what's the theme and all that kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah, no so so that yeah I I love that I, I wish I mean I would love to be able to just you know sell out without even yeah Booking a band, it would save us a lot of money. We might actually <laughs> make some money from festival one day. But um, but the the yeah, I mean, it it, it wasn't really the the main thing at the start. No, I mean, I, yeah. Uh, although it's sort of because we we started off at four thousand people, and then the next year we sold eight thousand. The next year we sold sixteen thousand. The next yeah. year we sold twenty five thousand. So we almost doubled in size every year, and we couldn't really uh, we didn't know yeah. what we were doing right. We were just like yeah. riding this wave, and for like just keep going. Yeah, just, just keep, keep going. <laughs> and then we got up to sort of thirty, thirty five, forty thousand. We were like, okay, you know, what are we going to do? And then we got when we got to fifty thousand, we kind of we were like, okay, let's put the sort of brakes on. And that was three or four years ago. So. 
you know, we could we could have tried to keep going, and I don't know what would have happened. Maybe we'd have mm. ended up like a tier in the park size, eighty thousand, and or or Glastonbury. But I, I don't think we would have. I think we sort of reached our natural capacity, and each year we sell out. But you know, it's 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 not like it's not like the good old days where you know you'd sell out in two months and, and then, there's no nerves. There's still and there's the no nerves. nerves. So yeah, man. I, my job is my day job is selling tickets. You know, I, I mean, it's 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 a hell of a thing though as as well, particularly when you you, you think about. You're, you're, you're selling out a 50,000 or whatever it is um, tickets to a festival that people have to get on a ferry to come to. That's, the, that's a lot of effort. That's a, that's a lot. It's, it's not like a lot of festivals where we'll don't, drive up the road. Don't tell everyone it's a lot of effort. It's, no, not, it's, it's great, though. It's, it's great that effort. people put that effort in and, and equally they get there and they want to get dressed up and, put make, and do fancy dress every day rather than originally... This day is fancy dress day. In general, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as soon as you get on the island, it's fancy dress day. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Totally. You, you go in Tesco's as you come <laughs> off the ferry, and there's fancy dress people in there. So yeah. that's a great thing. Um, well, I, I mean, yeah, for, I salute you know all the people that do make that journey, and yeah. I think um, I think they enjoy it. You know, and people you wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it. And sometimes when we get it wrong, or when the ferry companies get it wrong, or mm. the, you know, and, and there's a, like a six-hour delay getting off the island, then people you know we get we you know it's not maybe so much fun and sure, <laughs> and sure. so it's you know I'm just being completely honest and yeah. frank here because you can't try and pretend that um, having to get a ferry somewhere is, is everyone's cup of tea but for the most part on a sunny day when you're kind of on there with like 2,000 other people all off to festival for the yeah. weekend yeah. You, you've all le- left all your worries behind you and I still get that when I get onto the island ferry every you know whenever I, I, which is where I live and yeah. you know I've, I definitely feel a small weight off my shoulders because yeah, it's great. like I'm leaving the mainland behind and you know I, th- I think that there is a massive um buzz fr- from that so um mm. the the journey home is probably not so much fun when everyone's yeah. been up for 72 hours yeah. and not eaten and uh <laughs> but thankfully it's it's always a strong enough weekend that that's not the bit that stays in your head I'll I'll, I'll completely <laughs> confess there's been points I've got home and thought oh god because it's been late or something or I've had to drive through the night and then you know, you give it a few days and you're like, I can't wait for next year. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's been, this is a kind of a, a twofold one. One of the things I've always enjoyed about Best of All is it's not necessarily, obviously you've got your headliners, but it's not necessarily booked stage by stage on, on a ranking in the industry. It's often booked on what will work at that time and what's good and what should go here and what would suit the areas, which I think is a great thing rather than going, oh, this band's above us, mm. that's because they've sold X amount. It's rather, here's what flows and works nicely. You've, you've just summed that up so nicely. I wish you could go and tell all the agents and managers in the world <laughs> that's, the, that's the plan because you've totally hit the nail on the head yeah. and, and it's so hard to... It's what sits and works right. That's kind of... Yeah, which is how I think it should be. You know, yeah. Glastonbury does that. You know, you, you see a heavy metal band on the, on the pyramid stage on the Saturday afternoon followed by, you know, a, a country act and yeah. that, that's fine. You know, that can work. You, you don't need to have yeah. to, like... It doesn't all have to be rock going from, like, light rock going into heavy rock into heavy metal. It, it, you yeah. know, you can... You can mess around. Exactly. It, it, it kind of, if, if you understand it, it's beautiful because it stops any competition in that way. It stops trying to be, well, at that festival, we were above them. It's like, it's just, this works. It's just go and enjoy the, enjoy the experience. I'm, um, I'm glad you see, see it like that. I, I mean, the amount of um, phone calls and emails from angry <laughs> managers and agents, yeah. like, what are they doing above us on the bill? Like, it's like, 
well, guys, come on, it, it's not like, yeah. I don't, I mean, how do you even do that? Like, what do you do? Add up their Facebook um, friends or yeah. like how much, um, how many records they've sold or what? I mean, what is it? There's some, some things are obvious, yeah, you know, yeah. status quo are bigger than like yep, yep. so-and-so or whatever, but like, when it gets down to the DJs, particularly the egos there is unbelievable. Like, yeah. you know, we are bigger than so-and-so. Well, like, who says? Like, how do you know that? Like, Yeah, yeah completely. And it's, it's, I mean, over the years, and myself and Dan have pretty much played in every slot on every stage it feels like and it's it's never been a oh here's the slot that's best here's what's not you know our best ones often have been at kind of an odd time of day because it just works and obviously we've got it feels like a home gig because of Sunday best and everything else which we'll get round to so yeah we've had lunchtime slots that have been our best shows at best of all because that's yeah it just sits right um, but what there's, there's, there's two things on the headline part I want to discuss what acts have been the most exciting for you to, to book and obviously the good thing is it is a big you know everyone sits around and has their fancy festival type thing you get to do that in real life obviously there is then restrictions of money but still you get to go <laughs> what I like to have um, and then you get to be hello I'm Rob the Bank thank you for coming to, uh, to my, uh, my festival Elton or, or you know whoever yeah, else yeah, yeah. so who's been I'll do the first half who's been your, your your most exciting to kind of even if it isn't a headliner just the most exciting to go wow I get to I get to have them at my at my party essentially crikey yeah that's so, so tricky um, I mean you know I'd say you know Kraftwerk and the Beastie Boys yeah. in, in the last sort of 10 years of, of legendary you know, influential acts on me, you know, yeah, both yeah, yeah. acts, one electronic, obviously more electronic, one in the sort of hip hop world. And for my sort of music and DJing and just, you know, everything, you know, those are sort of lifelong sort of iconic heroes of mine. Probably more recently, you know, Steve, having Stevie Wonder and yeah, Elton John in two consecutive years, you know, that it's not everyone's, you know, Elton's not everyone's cup of tea. Even Stevie is not absolutely everyone's cup of tea, but they're, they're global icons who have yeah. sold more records than most people, you know, most other pop stars combined. And so, and they both turned in absolutely, you know, flawless, kind of amazing, Phenomenal really personal sense. performances where it wasn't just trotting out the stuff. You know, Elton had stories about how he got got down to the island, and you know, he never never does festivals, and you know, he did he really, you know, believed that festival was going to be a good one for him, and you know, Stevie Wonder, you know, he brought his daughter on stage, and he he'd had this whole adventure of coming down from London and thinking it was going to take 10 minutes to get to the Isle of Wight and, you know, it was like, he just didn't have a clue. And then, and then the hilarious photos of him going back on the ferry and stuff. <laughs> so, um, um, you know, beautiful. but then Amy Winehouse, you know, she was not in, maybe in the best way, but she she still delivered and, you know... Yeah, I, I was, absolutely amazing. I, I, I remember that one really clearly. I think it was, it was one of the first few years, or, or I'd only been, been going a few years, and it was just... She was on on late, and the crowd was all angry and annoyed. But then she comes out, and she's she's Amy Winehouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was DJing beforehand, so yeah. I was off to the side of the stage in a little sort of um, booth where I couldn't really see the stage, but I could feel the crowd bristling. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's only it really about was. fifteen thousand capacity at that at that time, but people were really like annoyed, and obviously they knew, you know, they knew the whole Amy story, but. Um, so I, I was sort of playing my sort of penultimate record thinking right Amy you know she's on at 10.30 or whatever and, and then my manager Ben tapped me on the shoulder he goes she's just left Fentner and I was like oh my god you know that's like 40 minutes away and my mate Keith was driving her 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, man. I had no records left. So totally I was like, right. then I had to sort of fill for half an hour. And then my mate Keith was driving her. And he, he sort of later told me that he'd ha- had to stop off to get her sweets on the way. Like she wanted to buy some sweets. It Brilliant. was like 10.30 at night. She Brilliant. was supposed to be headlining festival. She wanted to get some sweets. And then... Um, yeah, she, you know, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't lie and say she totally nailed it. It was like her best gig ever, but I thought it was like a really, you know, it was a live experience. Yeah, it was yeah, like, completely. this is Amy, you know, it's up and down. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a million dollar question. I, I've too many, too many highlights. And then some of the, you know, some of the smaller, like little indie bands and stuff and hip hop yeah. acts and stuff, like lo- loads of, loads of things. I mean, Outcast last year were pretty, I mean, that was immense. The, that's part of my next question, but just one that springs to mind as well, as you, as you were mentioning over there. We went on, um, I think it was before, or maybe just after, Gil Scott Heron on the main stage, and the year before he mm. passed, and that was just an amazing thing to get him there, to have that moment, and it was after he had his comeback, a record that everyone was, was blown away by, and, and that was, was one for me, just as the sun was sh- oh, shining, just seeing a legend, yeah, just... Yeah, yeah kind of fraily coming on stage but then just being Gil Scott Heron and just yeah yeah, absolutely stunning but the second part of the headline is Christian um who are the ones that have kind of I don't know that have 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 surprised you the most or or maybe there was some question over and then they come out and performed I remember standing um side stage with you and watching Florence the Machine and I remember when that was announced I love Florence and I thought that's a bit much for her at this stage. And then just watching, and she absolutely knocked it out of the park. And Outcast oh, was a similar one. I was completely on board, obviously a massive Outcast fan, but I thought, have they got a headline-type set? And then it was my favourite thing of last year's festival. Yeah, no. It just blew me away. They opened with Bombs Over Baghdad. That shows <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. intent they're coming in with. Just yeah, yeah. confident, casually, just come out and do that. And then, right... No, you, oh, you, got, you're yeah. totally right. I mean, I, I definitely, um, you know, I, I'm a huge Outcast fan, but it's not like I own, you know, every single album and know, yeah. know every single lyric. It's, it's like, um, you know, in, in my hip hop compendium, they're in the top ten. But I, I, I wasn't sure at all. I thought maybe 60 minutes is going to be, yeah. you know, pretty intense. But Appreciate they it. totally, you know, they did like pretty much 80 minutes. I mean, every, everyone was singing along to pretty much every, everything, and I, I yeah. didn't even know half the words. But I found myself. It was amazing to, to realise how many big tracks they've got. Because I think I realised, obviously, everything off of Stankonia was was huge. And then there's been a lot, and they did their bits where um, B- Big Boy had his little mini solo gig, and then Andre had his mini solo gig, and it kind of all just yeah, it didn't and, feel it was, like it was, it was any fleshing so, out. It was so visual as well. Like I, yeah. I thought it was going to be. You know, obviously the old hip hop cliche of two two blokes stood yeah. there with it, you know, moodily like nodding their heads and the Coachella feedback had been so sort of negative when yeah. that when that first happened and mm-hmm. I think they were a bit overawed by how big maybe Coachella was. But I think, man, you know, this show at Festival, it was like my mum and dad, who know nothing about yeah. Outcast, let alone hip hop, yeah. <laughs> were like loving it. Oh, and they, this I is mean, a lot they're of more fun. NWA fans, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, They've exactly. always been more <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. Is there anyone else that stands out, even not in the headline slot, that stands out as a real kind of a, a, a rolling the dice on it and then it's gone, wow, that, that just worked? Oh, God. I'd, it's difficult because, you know, nearly everything I book, I obviously believe in and yeah, think yeah. is going to... I mean, we've had some mad stuff like Will Smith and... and not Will Smith, um, Will uh, Young. Yeah, You yeah. know, like pop stuff. And yeah. I, I don't mind. I'm not embarrassed. And to now I want you to have Will Smith, of course. Yeah, <laughs> man, I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> 
but you know so yeah I mean you know pop stuff goes down yeah. well like Sophie Ellis Baxter I, I, I'm not snobby about pop music I, I love you know it's good and people people want to hear a lot of different things so um, but putting it on at best of all you just sometimes wonder God are people going to get this or are they just going to yeah. like sort of start booing so um, I, you know I think that's good as well I, th- I think we can pretty much get away with, with anything I'd like yeah. to think that you could it's not it's, 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 it's never had that feel of a Redden Leeds or even a Glastonbury at points where if you put the, the wrong act on or, or, or the crowd are going to be ready to turn on someone if you know what I mean I think the only time I felt it was when I, a Winehouse was late was that uh, that's the only time I felt that that crowd kind of are ready yeah. to be pissed off kind of you're thing t- you're um, t- yeah that, that man I mean <laughs> yeah, you probably spent about as much time in those fields say, at I'm festival I'm as, feeling like as a, I a festival uh, expert no no no, yeah. but, no but you're right and I've, I'd, I'd sort of trudge around the fields pretty much non-stop around 20 yeah. stages now and um, you're, you're right I've never I've never sort of seen that either where where people are kind of visibly um, a bit a bit lively uh, so the question now is who number one who would you uh, love to get and number two is there anyone you've come close to getting and just missed or anyone that you can talk about in that manner <laughs> well I mean you know I don't think it's any secret that me and Prince have got a long uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long history of me sending fruitless emails with large amounts of money attached that, yeah and we we you know we have I remember you uh, uh, telling me about one Prince email kind of where you it hadn't happened, and then after you'd booked everything, they came back, and yeah. if it had been a week earlier, it could have yeah. happened, and I was just heartbroken. I was having a wonderful best of all, and then you, you were kind of revealing, this was going to be Prince's slot. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, I was that, enjoying yeah. this until you six said that, because now before, it's not Prince. <laughs> but, you know, six weeks before best of all, I'm sorry, I just don't have that, that dosh yeah, still, uh, still hanging around. So, But, I, you know, obviously... He's he's my favourite artist of all time, and I totally respect the fact he doesn't want to sort of uh, make a decision on things until the last minute. Yeah. And I think Glastonbury, you know, the last few few years have had the same um, experience with him, where yeah. it's um, holding know, out and the rumours there. What's that? Just holding out and and the rumours yeah. start to build, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. If I was brave enough, then I think I would have. Well, he would have already played at Festival for sure, yeah. because I, I. But I and maybe some avid festival fan listeners will be going go on just hold out for it yeah. but it's, it's, it's too much of a risk because then what happens you know he gets a show somewhere else or decides that it's um it's not it's not for him then then you're, you're left without headliners and that that is the biggest stress of sort of booking a festival is do you think there's any more hope in it now that he's been doing a lot of like the last minute coco show just to keep it completely on prince like for example that he could he could literally hit that headline the second stage or something like that or headline something smaller even though it's prince because he's doing coco he's been doing bollywood um i mean i know i already know a picture of the ship and say yeah you can perform on this I, I I already sort of know the full Prince um, story for this year, and I, I don't think it's going to involve any right. UK festivals, yeah. sadly. So, but yeah, you know, I mean, Dolly Parton, uh, fair play to Glastonbury. You know, um, that was it was an absolutely standout moment, and amazing, weekend. and we've yeah. been we've been after Dolly for ten years as well, and I'd, I'd still do it, even though she's done Glastonbury. I, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm not I'm not snobbish about that, and you know, I I know that. Yeah, she's got a huge fan base at best of all. So Dolly, yeah. Kate Bush, I mean... Kate you Bush know, would be amazing. Her ob- shows last year were just... I made it along to one and it was just... Yeah, yeah mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Mind blowing. Like one of probably the best 
live music thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I'd agree. I, I certainly couldn't argue with that. The imagination sure. she'd put into it, like I, yeah. I wasn't ready for that at all that night. I was yeah. not expecting that. No, I'm the same. And and just a, a reading the program of how it had to be how it was because she needed somewhere that she could f- fully build and create. And it had to be a residency. It couldn't be a touring thing because she had such specific ideas. Yeah, you know. So all I'd say is next year <laughs> that that separate festival in the festival should just be Kate Bush just and just give her just give <laughs> yeah. her a field and say look you can build anything you want yeah yeah Bush um, of all <laughs> yeah no I mean we we did go back in to be to be totally frank because um we've we've sent her offers over the years yeah. and um but I think yeah you know uh, and she she's she's not totally anti doing a festival I don't mm. think but you would have to create some kind of weatherproof um, you know all yeah. singing all yeah. dancing 360 and stage with them <laughs> as, as, as much as I'd love to see her in more situations um, I, I tried to get her on the podcast for example but I, I've got nothing but respect for, for how she does her stuff and runs things the fact that she's I she's a mum genuinely I spoke you to her manager about it casually throw that one in I did I did I was right to bet I wasn't up for it and I understand that, but just one of the things that amazed me with the live show was that that can never happen again because that's someone who got huge, toured once and then walked away from it for 20 years and was a mother. And that was it. There was no temptation to flirt back with touring or live or any of that. It was like, right, no, I've done that. That was fun. Now I'm, I'm a mother. I've got a family. I'm living in the real world. And that's so to then come back from that was mind-blowing, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing, I, just on that, because I, I was reading a Patty Smith interview the other day about yeah. how she said the thing that annoys her most about people's preconceptions of her is that they say, oh, well, you didn't do anything in the 80s, and actually she was having children and yeah. um, and raising a family, and I'm sort of, because part of me wants to just sort of not do, do any, you know, jack it all in and look after my kids and, yeah. and do that, and I think there's a real sort of stigma about... Um, you know, well, what, what are you doing? You know, you're at home with yeah. the kids. It's like, actually, that's kind of a job. You know, that is... Yeah, that's its own... That's completely... It's got its own merits and is completely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, so I think, and, think... I mean, Kate Bush has done it the dream way and you could never have... Um, you couldn't have written that and she couldn't have hoped it could have turned out any better that you could disappear for 20 years and then, yeah. and then come back, come back and, and do that with the biggest impact of anyone I'm, I'm, I'm working with her son on it and everything this is just turning into a Kate Bush podcast yeah, yeah. now Bertie, Bertie Kate we love you listen amazing. I mean come on Pip's podcast and then <laughs> and once you've festival. done that then just announce festival Sunday night headliner 2015 Bosh we're in thank perfect. you perfect um, <laughs> so I mean speaking there it's, it segues perfectly on um, speaking of, of, of the changes that come when you have a family and family life becomes a bigger thing was that an influence on launching a camp festival because again there's not I, I think I think a latitude's great I think there's a lot of great festivals but there isn't a single festival that I think caters more to children and family than camp festival and still the biggest turnout I've ever seen was Mr Tumble's set on the main stage at lunchtime at Camp Festival. And it was just, yeah. It's depressing, isn't it? No, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, that's the last highlight. I've played every year since it started, and the biggest turnout has been Mr Tumble's at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Thanks, guys. Closely followed by you. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think, well, I think, firstly, it's brilliant that, you know, you and Dan and you you on your own, with, you know, with your, um, with your spoken word lounge and yeah. stuff, ha- have done all... You know, 
camp festival because I think some people look at it and go, oh, it's just a fluffy family festival. But actually, it's it's a, it's a family of like so many different sides. It's like it's a rave up on the one hand. It's a you know we had House of Pain on yeah. the, on the main stage. It's it's not um it's not that sort of fluffy thing. And it's in, in, on the other hand, it's 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 a very safe sort of family festival. And we we did have to create it you know with that in mind. So yeah, as soon as we yeah. started having kids, we were like, okay, so what's going to what's it's going to be like in three or four years when the kids actually want to start coming and you know festivals a bit bit racy and um maybe a bit full-on for kids and although i think in the last since we started camp festival we've actually made best of all more family yep. friendly as well yep. i'd agree areas are some are areas up, and yeah yeah and, and and a lot more people are coming from the isle of Wight now with their families in the day and then maybe the kids are going off off site and stuff so i and I, I'd, I'd love that to keep keep going like that you know like like you see at Glastonbury people towing their kids around in wheelbarrows or like yeah, little yeah. carts and stuff yeah. so but yeah I mean Camp Festival you know I think we nailed it we just happened to sort of spot that niche at, which is now obviously there's hundreds of well not hundreds but loads yeah. of family festivals but I still I, you know I'd like to think we kind of do it best I think we have yeah. so much content and we spend an awful lot of money and time on that sort of content to make sure that Every kid, whether they're a girl or a boy, whether they're sort of able-bodied, disabled, you know, whatever, you know, two years old, 20... Well, not 20, because they wouldn't be a kid, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> 16, yeah. they're, they're catered for, whether they like grime or whether they like ballet, and it's like... Yeah. So you've got to tick so many boxes, it's like... Um, Completely. I remember going... I think it was the year that Mr Tumbles was on, walking up the hill after him and seeing... Kate Tempest in Sound of Rum at that point. So a good three years ago, whatever it was. And then I'm sure it was a lethal bizzle that night in, in the Big Top or something like that. And just having that variation <laughs> of like, yeah, it's not, it's not just... It's, it's okay to cater to all of these things because once you put the kids to bed... One of the parents is allowed to go out and have fun. That's, kind of, that's how it yeah, works. Preferably right? not both of you, because then it'll be like a small child wandering around the campsite, yeah. going, "Please come back from Underworld," because I, you know, I'm here in my pajamas. Well, um, yeah. So let's let's. This is completely asked about face here, but um, let's go back to your your introduction in into music, into DJing. Um, you grew up in, in Portsmouth, right? Hey, well, what were your, your musical influences and, and what, what were you into growing up? And then what made you decide to start DJing? And the kind of combination, the mix between... Um, me and Yoda discussed this in the podcast, that there's DJ means two things. And, and, and you're one of the DJs who can do both of these things. There's DJs who DJ at club nights and there's DJs who host... A radio show and it's they are separate skills and both worth their own thing but often it's not as much of a crossover so what was the what was your path into DJing and what influenced you and made you want to get behind them decks um it's quite a uh, traditional and sort of classical and boring it's not it's not like I was <laughs> like watching you know um like early hip hop scratch sort of uh, videos yeah, or anything. It was, it was like I, I was. It, my dad had a brass band, and I started playing the trombone in that when I was wow, that's when awesome. I was ten or something like that. And um, so yeah, I was I was like, you know, listening to his record collection at home, like the Beatles and the Mamas and the Papas and sort of you know seventies stuff, and then listening to like Adamant and Culture Club on on the radio, and then and then playing the trombone. So that was like my early musical. You know, I wasn't. You know, it wasn't like I was into the Sex Pistols or yeah. 
or like Eric Eric B and Rakeem and stuff. It was it was not trendy. Yeah. And and uh, and, the, and then um, I suppose gradually, you know, I sort of discovered um, John Peel. Um, about that time, then Manchester hit Manchester. Mm. It also weirdly hit sort of well everywhere. everywhere you know, Portsmouth, yeah, Southampton was everyone was suddenly wearing flares and had beads and sort of um, Ian Brown t-shirts on and so yeah you know 14, 15 I was like suddenly it was it was a bit of a scene happening same time as that I got really into bands like Ride and Slow Dive and Pale Saints a kind of shoegaze scene yeah. so yeah bands were coming to Portsmouth Guildhall Southampton Guildhall the South Coast you know that's why we're doing Common People there. that's why we do Best All there yeah. it's really badly served by um, it music really is. it's got and some it's, beautiful it's, venues it's one of the things that people always tweet us and hit us up saying are you coming down even to North Anuki and Cornwall and things like that. It's like, if we get booked, we will, but you can't... It's a misunderstanding on how touring works. We can't just turn up there. Like, oh, we could, but it'd be horrible for everyone. Um, and yeah. yeah, they are weirdly poorly serviced areas, yet there's there's loads of people, there's loads of beautiful venues. I remember the first time we played in Bournemouth, we were like, oh, this is going to be a bit crap. And we got to it was one of the most beautiful old concert halls you've ever been in and it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah no there, there are there, there are the venues there so and and to be fair to, to the people of Portsmouth and Southampton and the South Coast you, you it, they are doing a, a much better job and there are some, yeah, some brilliant young promoters and some older promoters who are who are trying to make it happen but anyway I was just setting the scene that yeah. there wasn't a lot going on I wasn't growing <laughs> yeah. up in like Camden or like yeah. inner city Manchester or whatever I wasn't surrounded by I was living in a little village cycling around on my bike in my you know, on my BMX in my shorts listening brilliant. to like the Stone Roses or whatever so it, it was um yeah it was kind of quite a sort of um traditional villagey sort of chilled out thing and, and then and then um it wasn't until probably I went to um went to London when I was 18 and then I was this sort of white middle class kid um I got into Goldsmiths and got dropped off in Deptford by my sister you know didn't realize I was in one of the liveliest areas of South yeah, London yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know got mugged like three or four times within two weeks got <laughs> wow. adopted sort of by my crack dealer mugger who <laughs> mickey who i still sort of remember to this day who Brilliant. sort of took me under his wing and then looked after me from then on and no one else touched me in, in south london ever but um it was, it was like it was a real sort of baptism of fire like he took me to the wimpy at gunpoint to buy him a wimpy with the money that he'd just stolen out of my, oh, my wow. cash point so it was like i was totally sort of just dropped in it i think two weeks in i bought the ragga twins um debut album and was just like Suddenly, I was like, "Oh right, okay, this this makes a lot of sense." Fabio and Groove Rider were, ru- were running Rage at Heaven, you know, like legendary sort of um, sort of hardcore slash early jungle club. Yeah, there were trance raves going on in Battersea Power Station. It was like, yeah. Suddenly, I was like, "This is this is what it's all about, guys." Yeah, so this is it. I totally sort of landed, and and I was DJing already a bit, and so. But, you know, I was going to see Giles Peterson and Norman Jay doing Shake and Finger Pop sort of funk nights. On the other hand, I was going to trance raves in a pair of bright orange trousers. Yeah. And then and then the next night, I might be going to, you know, see Fabio and Groove Rider or whatever. So it was, it was that sort of amazingly exciting time in London when it. there was so many scenes kind of kicking off. It's, it's just given me a brief memory here, which is completely unrelated. And, I mean, on Sunday Best, you released a Cure Live album, but my... Um, and my mate Rick went to see The Cure once and got there and walked along and obviously a queue of people all in black and he'd gone in, in, in bright orange trousers because <laughs> he's just like, just, this is what I'm wearing. It's like fancy yeah, yeah. sitting, turning up at a queue gig in bright orange trousers. Um, 
let's move on to to, uh, to radio DJ now because you mentioned um, the legendary John Peel there, and if I remember rightly, you filled in after he he, he sadly passed. So. How how was that to, to 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 get to a point? I mean, number one, what was the kind of entry? But to get to a point where you're the guy stepping in when someone who you wouldn't be doing this if you hadn't heard, or has mm. probably influenced a, a lot of your musical taste, let alone DJing or radio style or anything like that, and you're you're taking up the reins to to kind of fill the boots there. Yeah, I mean, very good question. It sounds like a total fantasy, even looking back on it, like in, in good and bad ways. It, yeah, was, like, yeah. it was like, I mean, I, firstly, I, I never intended on doing doing radio, much like I didn't intend on having a record label, DJing, running a festival, yeah. getting married, having kids or... You just but, wanted to cycle about in your shorts <laughs> yeah, and just did, chill. Man, What's yeah. the, <laughs> listening to the Stone Roses. <laughs> I'd have been quite happy, yeah, 41, still riding my BMX around Wars Ash, you know. <laughs> but no, I, I, so I, I think um, I'd started some Sunday Best the Club and that was really well known I'd sort of you know na- nationally as a sort of place where this sort of chill out which is sort of became a dirty word but you know Groove yeah. Armada Lemon Jelly um, Bonobo early Bonobo stuff like True Thoughts and all, all that sort of stuff was coming through Fatboy Slim Basement Jacks with DJing there Harvey Weatherall it was like you know it's amazing sort of 99p club to get into and, and yeah. um, we had the sort of cream of, of the sort of left field coming through there and I think Radio One had noticed that they had a chill out show called, I think, you know, it was called the Blue Room at that time, which didn't have a presenter. And, and they thought we need a presenter for this. And they yeah. got me and Chris Coco both in to sort of battle against each other and do a pilot. And they liked us both. So they gave us both the show. And Amazing. so suddenly I was on Radio One and, uh, you know, I, I thought, OK, well, this will, you know, this will last a couple of weeks or maybe a month at, at best. And then 12 years oh, later, I, you were, yeah. I was still there. But, um, so, th- I mean, yeah, that's sort of setting the scene of how I ended up even even gracing the airwaves at Radio 1. Yeah. And then, and then a, probably three or four years into that, then um, I'd obviously just about found my feet by then and felt slightly more confident, but still absolutely shit scared every time I went into yeah. um, Radio 1, particularly when, you know, the late, great John Peel was sat at his desk because we all used to go into sit in a big room together and... Um, so, you know, Annie Nightingale was over there, Marianne Hobbs was there, you know, um, Trevor Nelson, Fabian Groove Rider, you know, absolutely amazing, all my heroes in one room. And, and then, you know, John Peel, who was, you know, he didn't suffer fools, but he was also the loveliest man in the world. Yeah, so yeah. I would, you know, literally, I would summon up the courage for like 10 minutes to just say hello as I walked past him and you might get a grunt or yeah, something yeah, in reply. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, John Peel just grunted at me. It's like my <laughs> life is complete. <laughs> But so, so um, this is all just to set the scene that yeah. it was it, how big a deal it was, and then and then um, you know obviously, well I, I was I was on a I was trekking down a hill in Morocco on a camel with 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 Josie, <laughs> as you do on a on a donkey. Sorry, so not a camel. many stories of start like that, <laughs> and um, and I got a call on my early mobile phone, um, and uh, saying. Um, um, John John's going away next uh, t- t- in two weeks or whatever. Can you can you stand in for his show for three nights? And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you're joking, aren't you? It's like total lifetime yeah. ambition. So totally crapping myself, you know. Got home and got ready for those. Got into the studio on ran the day. Ran off the camel. What's that? Yeah, <laughs> ran yeah. off the camel. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I've got to go. Left, I'll explain the, later. Left the donkey in uh, in Morocco, <laughs> but got got to Radio One that day. Um, I've always sort of, apart from today, pride myself on sort of being punctual and the first guy in the office and, you know, always super keen. And I think that's, yeah. you know, an important thing to do. So I, I was there sort of 
eight o'clock in the morning for a show that started at ten o'clock that night or something. Yeah. And and um, and then Ian Parkinson, one of the guys who was one of the bosses, sort of very soberly looked around the. It, it sort of knocked on the door and came in and he was he was like where is everyone and I was like well, I'm the only one here and and then about two minutes later he came back and he said right Rob come upstairs I need to talk to you and basically sat me down and said um, you know I've got some very sad news John Peel's died and like I was one of the first people because it hadn't it wasn't like public wow. at that point so they'd obviously been told and so suddenly I was like you know what a weird scenario I'm supposed to be sitting in for John Peel on his radio show that night and he's just died in Peru and I'm like uh, oh god you know just like mad panic yeah of course so there was there was mad panic in Radio 1 because no one knew what to do everyone was devastated obviously you know all the DJs started coming in Steve Lamarck and Marion Hobbs you know everyone went down to the pub and drank red wine as they hoped John would have liked them to have done and and we all sat there wondering what was going to happen and and then, um, fortunately, someone made the bright, bright uh, move not to let me do the show that night, and and yeah. I think Marianne and Lamo did it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, from the from the next week on, then I had I don't know about six weeks or two months worth of John Peel shows yeah. to do. So it was kind of huge boots to fill. But yeah, definitely. I mean, looking back on it, one of life most life changing inspirational things to happen to me because I yeah. sort of totally embraced I already was very sort of Catholic in my taste but I think I saw because I, all his the way he kept all his records you know the, a lot of vinyl some CDs yeah. he had marks on everything all with meticulous like num- number four track is five stars out of, you know five out of five wow. this one's four out of five he'd pretty much um written his next three week shows in you know I timed it specifically he hated it if he finished a you know three seconds over time wow. so it was kind of easy in a way I was just following his orders you know his sort of invisible orders but mm. but yeah mad mad old uh, experience and and did that influence um your f- f- future shows I guess because it felt after that you kind of really um it opened up kind of your show became a show that Oh, when I had Zane on, it was it was was kind of as similar that he was saying he was one of the first shows on. He he went there expecting to have to do a rock show, and was told just play anything, you know, go where you want. And and your show and 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 Hugh Stevens probably are the two that strike me as having that similar kind of setup of you will have a set kind of tone, but you'll be free to go off on tangents and try bits from here and there yeah, yeah. and kind of play what you want and was that yeah did that influence things from there from going from essentially a chill out and that's kind of your area thing to being right I need to champion a lot of kinds of music and I need to bring music to people who wouldn't aren't aware that they would like it or bring new music through and things like that yeah absolutely yeah 100% I mean obviously as I've hopefully sort of explained that you know out of the, the chill out electronica thing I, I was you know I was a Cure fan I was like yeah. the Smiths Napalm Death kind of um, you know happy yeah. hardcore like I had huge taste so in a way it was suddenly a relief it was like okay okay so I can express all of these things yeah, can, yeah can, and obviously I didn't you know there was no point in trying to be as, as diverse as John because John 
just believed in it so fully, you know, that he'd play the fall next to Happy Hardcore, next to Steel Pulse, next to yeah. Benjamin Zephaniah, next to, you know, a, a mad sort of grime track, and yeah. he, he could get away with it. And I don't think anyone else could ever get away with it like he could because mm. he just believed in it so much. Yeah, anyone completely. else would sound like they were just trying to be different. But trying it, to be crazy and wacky, yeah. Yeah, definitely. hey guys, look at this mix. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it did open up the... Um, I think it opened up radio as well because, you know, me and Hugh both got the sort of um what's it called uh um oh, i can't remember what what they called the slot after that but it was it was supposed to be a bit a bit more diverse and yeah. until that point you know it's like fabian grew right out the drum and bass show so and so had the the techno show so and so had yeah the, and and at that point john had been doing his thing but no one else had really been mixing it up and yeah you know zane was coming in at that point yeah. and do, doing his thing me and hugh were kind of mixing it up a bit more so yeah it was it was great and it was it was really liberating to think that I could play more different styles on the radio yeah. and you know and I pretty much did until 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 I left there last year so it's been you know 12 inc- you know absolutely unbelievable years I can't believe that I did did 12 years at Radio it's 1 it's amazing so. right <laughs> yeah. at, at what point and what made you decide to to, to start a label because I know um or some people I won't know the kind of story of our relationship, essentially, but I know that you were one of the first people supporting us and we spoke to you early on and we were having all these major labels kind of caught in us and and you were someone who was always just advising us and saying, well, you know, be careful of this, be careful of that. And for us, it was that point where we sat down and went, well, this is a guy that we trust and has got his own label. Why are we... Are we looking in these other areas? And it seemed like a perfect match to come with you guys at Sunday Best. But it felt like when you first suggested it or put it there as an option for us, you were the home of people who might not know they have a home or need a home or, do you know what I mean, kind of thing initially. And was that, a, was that an influence for you as people that... Was there music that you were finding and going, how is this not signed? Like, this is awesome. I'm playing it on the show. It's great how have they not got a label did that kind of influence you going well they have now essentially yeah yeah i know totally i, I think um i mean the label started a couple of years after sunday best the club started and, yeah. and so I, I was loads of djs were coming down playing loads of amazing tracks or records that weren't necessarily released and i was like wow these have got to get released so i started doing some compilations and then that i met sarah bolshe yeah. our beloved bolshe yes. and um and and she sort of helped me set up the the label and and then it was i mean it was it was so much a hobby probably you uh, um, probably until i signed you guys that um it was it which i shouldn't say now it's just a hobby but, um yeah, yeah. it was sort it was you know it was, it was one of you know a few things that i do and yeah. um but yeah it's sort of it's just music i love it's, it's it's not really any more difficult than that so you know whether it's key days in lewis you guys david lynch um you know valerie june it's 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 very diverse maybe like um my taste you know festival yeah. or, or my radio show but i i think it sort of hangs together I, I don't really know what a typical sunday best recordings fan might look like but yeah i was gonna say <laughs> exactly that is it, that seems to have bled into every everything you do that there's not a typical it's it's not typical if you know what i mean because if, yeah, if yeah. you look at, at kitty daisy and lewis who i think are great um in fact i'll give a, a little plug now my my sometime directing partner tom coles has just done two of their videos and is about to do a third and it's so you kind do of one with the hearse yeah yes. oh, yeah that's brilliant. And, and so it's turned me back onto them where i hadn't been keeping up to date and it's absolutely amazing and and things like that so but 
as acts, m- me and Dan were electronic, r- rapping, talking. <laughs> Kitty Daisy and Lewis would pretty much initially scared of electricity, I think, would gen- generally avoid <laughs> any power. And, it, you know, it couldn't be further apart, but sat perfectly together, and it all, it all worked on that label. So, yeah, yeah it, again, it's kind of, you seem to have, I don't know if intentionally, or just stumbled upon a nice mix of going, look, it's just good. It doesn't matter that it's, it's not all fit into, it's just good, it's music I like, it's music. I guess there's kind of a theme of... No, there's kind of a friendliness or a positivity theme with Sunday Best. I don't know if I'm imagining that because of no, the, uh, the no. brightness of the artwork and, and how you put it all across. Or, or I think it's, you know, I, I love the feeling like it's a family and not in a sort of hippy-dippy, let's all get into bed together. But, you know, maybe one day. A little day. bit in a hippy-dippy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's like a, a family. And I think, you know, if you look at Domino or um, XL or any of the labels yeah. that I love... You know, um, they, they do have a sort of family vibe, and they, and they also release very diverse music from lots of different artists. But somehow it all hangs together. And you know, I'm an I'm an XL fan, but there's things yeah. on the label I don't like, but there's lots I do like. And I suspect the same with Sunday fine. Best, where yeah. some people love Dan Sackvers, Scribbles Pip, and David Lynch, but they can't get their around Kitty Daisy and Lewis. And other people like Lucky Elephant and Valerie June, and you know, other people like the more electronic stuff and and we don't have to be everything for everyone no. it's, it's like um, that's exactly it there's, there's, this is is going to annoy you now because I was particularly proud of it but the slogan I came up for my label speech development was is we may not be for you and that's fine and I, I think that does just sum <laughs> yeah. it up it's like it's alright I'm not going to get get mad at you for not liking everything that like we put apology, out apologising for your label yeah yeah no exactly it's, it's, it's always blown my mind when people will tweak like I've, I announced a, one of the podcast guests recently and they were like I love their first record I didn't like anything after that it's like alright yeah. yeah that's cool that's, that's, that, you've just said you love their first record you don't need the second part you don't need the second part of that it's like you know again so it can be I love Kitty and Daisy Lewis I, I don't like Dan and Pip it's like yeah yeah fine that's, that's, well, that's, it's you shouldn't apologise for yeah. that that shouldn't be an issue that's completely acceptable it's taste <laughs> Well, record shopping's pretty simple, isn't it? You go and buy what you like, and if you know you, the fact that there's a label behind something doesn't mean you have to buy everything else on that label. Yeah. I also think people don't give people enough um, credit. You know, I, I think um, best of all, Sunday best, Sunday best recordings. They're all very, um, you know, but they don't they don't sit still. Maybe I've got a low boredom threshold and I move on. Like my DJ set's probably much to the ire of people that have listened to me I, yeah. I, I can't play more than three house records in a row <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know yeah. if I'm playing a house set I have to drop in some drum and bass or a grind yeah. track or something I, you know and I, I just can't sit still so it's probably a bit the same with the label that you know Keith Daisy and Lewis Valerie June maybe they're kind of in the similar thing so hey let's go and do David Lynch or let's go and do like yeah. um LA Salami who was signing at the moment or, or do, you know do do something totally totally off the wall and um not just for the sake of it, but actually because we can. And also, I yeah. really think that people do love diversity. I think there's some people that just want, you know, the same food every day and they want to listen yeah. to the same records and watch the same TV show. But I reckon human nature is that you want to keep going. You don't want to be treading water. You want to be, um, you yeah. know, expanding your brain. And by listening to lots of different music or watching lots of different films or listening to lots of different people talking yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it sort of does that and that's that's my curiosity about the world is is kind of driven like that and I think maybe that's why I like a lot of different things on, yeah. on the label like, uh, th- uh, this is good 
oh, oh, what else is good? <laughs> yeah. Rather than just, this is good, let's stick with this. This is great, but it's, 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 what else is great? And I think, again, it's kind of, it, it, it all comes back to, it, it shows how, in a way, John Peel has had has such a lasting influence. In as you were saying, his show, the variation his show worked because he believed it, and I think that's the same with Sunday Best and with Best of All. It works because it's stuff that you're just into. It's not going right. We need to sign a metal act now because you know that's the one thing we've not had. Yeah, it's going yeah, yeah. if something comes no, up, totally. it works. Um, so just quickly while we're on that, because yeah. we we can't gloss over the uh, your illustrious history on yes, on the label yes. and and also the. The, um, the the crown and glory, well, in my in my eyes, of, of your last show at, um, yeah. at Bestival, which we which we should touch on, because uh, hugely emotional for us. And it, it, it's it as soon as me and Dan decided that we were going to call it a day, and again, it wasn't for any negativity. It was like, oh, we always set out to do th- three albums, and that was the, the the deal we did with you guys. At that point in the industry, not many people expected to get through a three albums. People like who we were, were touring with a lot of the time, people like Kate Nash and Jack Peñate and people like that were amazing but and have continued to go on to do stuff but sometimes not on the same label or sometimes stopping. So it meant a lot for us to achieve that. And as soon as we decided that, we looked and thought, well, if we're going to end touring, you know, we always play best of all. It's best of all. There's, you know, we, I don't know what we'd do if we, if we weren't there. So it seemed like a natural end. And after we'd announced it was our last one, we then got some freshers offers and things like that that all as you'll know are quite good money often (laughs) and we decided to go no no we've decided on this and as soon as that gig started with you introducing obviously again the guy who signed us and bought us to best of all the first times and the first time we played best of all was on that same stage but we were on i think it was while underworld or someone was setting up so we were literally on a little raised platform at the front i was standing on the dj booth and it was just it felt like that was our first time there and felt like our first big festival experience it felt like a perfect the album had been the biggest of 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 our relationship together the tours had been and that festival crowd was just yeah i mean the crowd yeah like i mean because i've stood on that stage for so many different acts and yeah, the love in that tent yeah. was was remarkable, and and uh, and you know the sort of eighteen year old kids just leaping up and down and sitting on each other's shoulders and chanting yeah. every single word of your your record. So yeah. thank you very much for deciding thank to you. do that there, and and all, all the emotion. and all the amazing records and tunes. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's it's as I, I touched on it. It's always felt the best of all was the home crowd I remember us doing the main and I've got a picture on my laptop as my screensaver in fact um, was one year on the main stage um, and it was in the middle of the day and we looked out and you couldn't see the end of the people and it was like that wasn't where we were at that point that was only where we were at festival if you know what I mean yeah, any, yeah. Any I other, remember any, that one, yeah, any, yeah. any other festival that year we would have had a fraction of that but at festival that there were that many people and they were there intentionally. It wasn't yeah. just they were passing, and that was a real kind of, yeah, it's why it made the perfect place to, to end it all. But no, speaking they, they, of were end wait, they were waiting for Elton. Elton yeah, 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 they were waiting for Elton. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we've just t- tipped over the hour mark, so, so I'll bring it to a close. But I just want to say, ask what's, uh, what's next? Obviously, you're on, on Six Music now, and you've just announced Best of All Canada. I know you've, you've spoken for years of, of wanting to do a Best of All Mexico and just all sorts of other things. Mm. What's ahead in, in, in this yes. crazy, busy world of yours? Yeah, if anyone in Mexico is listening and you, you want to put on a Best of All there, then we're, we're up it. for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, Best of All Toronto has just launched, so um, 
yeah, we just announced that. Um, that's and how's that going to work? Is that going to be a lot of 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 a, or a lot more American and Canadian acts on? Um, is you know is is the booking going to be influenced or change, or is it going to be a similar kind of? <laughs> well, again, if you're not leaking this information before, um, <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah, on Monday we're announcing Florence and Nas as two, as two headliners. Oh wow! And then like Caribou and Flostradamus and oh, lots, wow. lots of sort amazing. Of, and then things like Rudimental and Clean Bandit from the UK. So yeah. It's a, it's a real mixed mix bill. I mean, I, I'm glad I... You've got Nas, you're going to have to get Run The Jewels as he's, he's signed them now and they're, they're, they're going off so much. So I'm not a having of... much luck with Run The Jewels this year. They couldn't do Bestival and oh, really? I'm not sure they could do that either, but um, sore point. Yeah, <laughs> um, sorry but, about that. No, no, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> plenty more hip-hop in the yeah, sea. There is. Um, so, yeah, so Bestival Toronto, we, we launched Common People, which is a new show for us in Southampton, like a day yeah. show. We've got Fatboy and Grace Jones doing that. Oh, amazing. Um, I think, you know, so, so yeah, finally after 12 years we've been brave enough to go, okay, these are definitely the right people to do this with, we're going to keep that going, we're feeling confident about what we're, what we're doing in that. Personally, you know, yeah, I'm still doing Radio with Six Music, but I, my, my real priority for the next few years is, is sort of soundtracking, is music supervision. Oh, wow. Um, so I've got my first <laughs> score for a feature film this year, which is ridiculous. Amazing. Seeing as, seeing as I can't play the piano or the guitar um <laughs> but um but yeah so so that that's is fantastic. that's very much what i want to sort of be doing and yeah we might have an american um feature film that's that we're going to be doing so i think uh yeah you know i, I don't like sitting still pip like I say you know tre- that treading water thing yeah. um is is sort of uh is worrying to it's me so one. um you've got to keep moving and I, I, I love doing radio i love putting out records i love booking the festivals i love djing um you know in clubs but I don't like doing any of them individually you know, as, as it, the one. Yeah, yeah, as the one thing that I, I could never be a career DJ yeah. going around the country doing gig after gig. So, I'm, I'm, and I'm so lucky. It's I've had you know an amazing career of being a, being able to do all those different things somehow, and it's all just happened so accidentally. But um, but I've, I have been very lucky. So yeah, watch this space. I might be like giving it all up to be like a landscape garden next week <laughs> or a chartered surveyor. I don't know, but that'd be wonderful. <laughs> well, I mean, and. There's always a tendency at the end of interviews to ask where people can keep up to date. But even if I was going to ask that, it's impossible with you because there's there's Rob the Bank, there's there's separate profiles for Bestival, for Camp Bestival, <laughs> for, for Sunday Best. So my thing in general is if you if you want to keep up to date, just Google anything you heard. In fact, no, actually we've we put this podcast on an app called Acast and we tag everything in there okay, so every time we've talked about anything there will have been a link so even if you've not listened to it on Acast if you go and download it on Acast it'll have all the tags at the side so you can find out oh, links to all of the things that we've discussed and uh, hopefully s- s- some embarrassing pictures of myself and Rob on there just flashing up every now and then Definitely. just for fun we have to make sure there's some of those on there well thank you very much for coming no, thank in you. it's been a no, pleasure thank to you chat. for coming in this is my office not yours <laughs> yes, yes, sorry that's right. thank you for, for letting me in <laughs> No, yeah. thanks, Pip. Absolute and, pleasure. Yeah, I look forward to Camp Bestival and Bestival and, and many more. Yeah, see you down there, man. You've been listening to Scrooby's Pips Discretion and Peace. That was Rob the Bank, and that was generally an emotional conversation, man. I was, I was welling up as we talked about a best of all and everything he's done for us. And yeah, what a lovely dude. I love Rob the Bank. I'm just going to p- p- 
put it out there and say, interesting, actually, I got a tweet this week from Ju- Julian, who records under the name of Tithe, who, who used to work at Sunday Best. It's a little sn- snippet of information from my history, which I didn't know at the time, because they didn't tell me and Dan in case it killed the vibe. But when Thou Shall Always Kill was getting its, its daytime a radio play, it turns out s- someone, a, a, a mum, wrote a handwritten letter to the radio to say, or to the radio to the label Sunday Best to say that we would have blood on our hands because of our song instructing people to kill, which I found hilarious. <laughs> and and even more hilarious, that's Sarah Bolshe, who's mentioned in the podcast there, apparently decided not to let us know because it might have killed the vibe. Because that was early on in our relationship. They didn't know that we would have found that absolutely hilarious. Um Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this one, I'd recommend you check out the Billy Bragg one, the Kate Tempest one, obviously, um, the Sage Francis one for an interesting outlook on running the label um, on the American side of, of of the globe. So plenty to check out. Please subscribe. I go on about it every week. It really helps. Um, we're going to try and do two podcasts n- uh, next week as well. Um yeah, it's a struggle to get them all in, but I reckon we can do it. So subscribe and you will find out who those two podcasts are. See you all next week, I hope. Bye-bye. <laughs>